when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. I'm going to tell you something. I want to go tell our story. I, I'm tired as hell of turning on ESPN and Sports Center and people getting to pick what the hell they want to say about us. We got a bunch of young guys that came here for a damn reason. I want to tell our story on national television. I'm tired of people talking about us. I want to go tell our story. That's why the hell we're all here. So we can tell our story. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, it's got to be an exciting day to be Cousin Shane. The Vols win, and your incredible fade power continues for another week. I don't get it, Mike. I don't get it. I'm like, just get the ball in the end zone, for the love of God, and it just wouldn't happen. I am sorry, Florida Nation. I mean, this one's on me. I am now one and freaking seven. That's just how that's how awesome I am in the old gambling department. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start right there. We got a lot to get to. Uh, your lock of the week, Florida Gators. And you know, as this game went on, Shane, of course, in Death Valley, LSU wins the game forty-two to twenty-eight. That line. I mean, most people were picking the Gators plus thirteen and a half, but and then mm-hmm. I mean the Gators. This was a damn – I don't even know where to start with this one, Shane. This was a heavyweight bout that lived yeah. up to it. I mean, these teams were just trading blows. Uh, Florida obviously coming off the big win against Auburn, and they just did it again. They could, I know they lost the game, Shane, but they impressed me in the loss. And then, of course, yeah. the same stuff we've been seeing from LSU. Would they, would they be able to uh, finally have the offense against a quality defense? And they answered every question – uh, what was your main takeaway from just this battle we had there in Baton Rouge? Man, a lot about what you're saying, dude. I, I, my biggest takeaway is LSU has the greatest offense I think I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I've seen some great offenses. I've, I, I love Alabama's offense, but I'm telling you what, man, these guys can score at will. And Florida is not an easy team to score on, but they made it look easy. And then on the other side of the ball, like you said, I, I'm, I was extremely impressed with how Florida hung in there. I mean, it was amazing. It's like you're blown away from LSU's offensive production, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, dude, it's a tied ball game. You know, they just marched down the field. They made some of the play. I love some of the Dan Mullen's play calling or on third down. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt like there was no chance they're going to get a first. And all of a sudden, 
it's 15 yards and it's a first down and they just kept the marker moving and and it got down to the very end and they just they ran out of gas man they just couldn't keep up yeah and you kind of not to say you could see that coming because the gators had a touchdown lead here in the second half it looked like for a moment the gators were going to sneak out and pull this thing out but lsu in the end joe burrow 21 of 24 so only three incompletions he had three touchdowns so anytime you have as many touchdowns as you have incompletions against a defense that uh, we both think is elite 290 yards there for joe burrow and then your guy clyde edwards Alaire shane he went off a lot of a lot of explosive runs 134 on the ground only 13 carries two touchdowns uh justin jefferson 10 catches 123 i mean he's a revelation this year jamar chase seven catches 127 and it's against florida man you know this isn't just some you know, crap defense in the SEC. This is Florida Gators that have, what, had held teams to, uh, what, 56 total points. You know, this was no joke defense. And and these guys, I mean, these weapons, they just found holes and they found streaks. I mean, that, some of these damn passes that Burroughs was ever able to put on these guys, it was just, I mean, they're in the league of their own right now. Any concerns, Shane, that LSU's defense kind of getting sliced up a little bit? I mean, it it seemed like they were making plays when they had to. Uh, of course, there was that Emory Jones touchdown that really was like a 50-50 ball, fourth and goal. The Gators went for it, and he just kind of lofted it up, and the pass got batted, and then a, a Gator came down with it for a touchdown. I thought as soon as that happened, Shane, I was like, oh, Shane's going to cover his lock of the week. I mean, <laughs> when you get a touchdown on one of those 50-50 balls, uh, it looks like things are going to go your way. Uh, but I don't know, LSU, they were able to get to Kyle Trask a little bit too sacks. You know, I, I was expecting a little bit more from that. They were able to limit the Gators on the ground for the most part, but uh, any concern about LSU's defense, or is it just to the point where, you know, their offense is so explosive and they, they do have tons of playmakers on defense that do uh, you have enough faith in them to, you know, make a critical play here or there to – potentially win the SEC, win a national championship. You know, the thing I like about it, like when we look at this offense and, and the amount of points that they're able to put up, this defense, even though they, they struggled at times, I felt like they struggled when it was a close game. When when they got the lead and they were able to let those guys just pin their ears back and get back to the quarterback, it just changed the whole dynamic of that defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that – Obviously, there's a little concern, but you're going to have that when you can score in three plays, you know. So I, I'm not freaking out or panicking over it. But, it, you know, you could tell they got some of their weapons back this week. And like I said, when they when they decided to dial up some blitzes and get some pressure on Trash there at the end of the game, it, it just felt like it, it finally went together, you know. Mm-hmm. How about this stat, Shane? Here's one I didn't mention. LSU did not give up a sack in this game. That was huge considering the Gators leading the nation in, I believe, I think they were leading the nation, if not the SEC in sacks heading into this one. I know mm-hmm. uh, John Grenard, the, the outstanding outside linebacker, basically he did was not able to go in this one. Uh, Zaniga was banged up, so it's not really fair to Florida that uh, their two best edge rushers were, were not available for the most part or were limited in this game, but still got a credit LSU's offensive line stepping up in a big situation. And then Joe Burrow, I mean, there was many times he was running for his life. And he, mm-hmm. even if he was only able to get two or three yards, 
I mean, that's that's a hell of a lot better scrambling and, and just getting a positive than getting sacked. I thought uh, I thought he did really well under pressure. Yeah, man, he, you forget how mobile he is, but when he does tuck, he's he's able to get those first downs, those tough yarded situations, and he's something you got to account for, and it's hard. When you got all them other weapons out there, you know, to just you got everybody covered up, and then there's Joe sprinting down the field for seven, eight yards for a first down. So that was disheartening for for the Gators. And let me ask you, Mike, there at the tail end of this thing, uh, there were some questionable calls down there on the goal line. You know, I really liked that first play he attempted to pull off. It didn't go through, but you know, on fourth down, running Trask as an option. Do you think that was a was a smartest move? Well, it's easy to say no because it clearly didn't work, but that seemed to be uh, similar to a couple pl- plays that Mullen had run earlier that had worked. They ran. They also ran those plays last season against his Dave Aranda defense and worked. So I think it would have worked, but uh, it seemed like it was kind of sluggish and kind of not the speed they wanted ran at. So I think it was yeah. poor execution that really doomed that one. But uh, let's jump over to Coach O. Because I thought uh, the the critical defensive play, it was, you know, at the tail end of that game, that was huge. But the real one that kind of decided this one, I thought, was the Derek Stingley interception in the end zone. Uh, So Coach O was asked about Stingley, who had kind of been picked on the whole game, but then he comes up with the big play, uh, his outstanding offensive line. And then on uh, the fact that the Tigers keep their foot on the gas, we saw that against Texas. And it's the same story here against the Gators. What can you say about the play Stingley made, the interception, after getting targeted all night? You know, big time players make big time plays in big time games. He's got it now. You know, he, he gave up some balls. And he gave up some balls. I had number 84 was a tremendous football player, one of the best players we've seen all year. Give them credit. But we made the play when we had to. Hey, what do you think you guys learned about your offensive line tonight? Um, I'm really proud of them. I'm really proud of them. You know, I knew that uh, Lloyd Cushenberry and Dee Little and felt good about Ed Ingram, but our tackles really, those ends were really good. And uh, you can see in the game before, those ends really destroyed some offensive tackles. So I'm really proud of our offensive tackles, Sadiq Charles and Austin Douglas. I thought they played a phenomenal game. Coach, can you talk about being upset and then going immediately for the, for the kill shot? Yeah. You know, people around here aren't yeah. used to seeing that. Yeah, that's how it's pedal to the metal. We're going as hard as we possibly can every play. Now, there's going to be a time where we have to run out the clock, obviously, but we feel that we can score. We feel that we got athletes in space, and we're not going to stop. All right, Shane. So, you know, there was a lot of questions about this offensive line heading into the season. Now they got Ed Ingram. They got even more bodies up there. Uh, like I said, I thought they were the key to the whole thing, opening up holes on the ground, keeping Joe Burrow protected. And, I mean, the motto of LSU, they fully embraced this offensive system. Joe Burrow airing yeah. it out there late in the second half. That was the difference here. Yeah, it was, dude. I mean, it just, I mean, they couldn't be stopped. What did you say? You had two incompletions, three incompletions? Three incompletions and three touchdowns. So the same numbers. I mean, insane. and it, it's just, and then you got Clydesdale back there. We haven't even seen, uh, you got freaking John Emery. Don't even need him. Got Clydesdale out there, you know. And dude, was he woofing it. It just, the, these guys are loaded. They're loaded on offense, and they've got a lot of great pieces on defense. And, um, you know, say what you want, man. This is a, a national championship contender right here. And Florida went toe-to-toe with them. Um, you know, that's one thing about this game. It's like 
you can't be too down on yourself if you're a Florida Gator because you still you still control your own destiny, man. You know, you went out. You're going to have another opportunity to play these guys. Now let's jump over to the other side of this one, Shane, because I wanted to ask you, how in the hell was Kyle Trask not starting before? <laughs> I mean, he looks awesome, doesn't he? I mean, he <laughs> is, is – I, I did want to ask you this, though, seriously. Is Kyle Trask – the best quarterback in the SEC East this season. In the East this season? Because I think, uh, I think he yeah. is. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, Fromm had one bad game, but I, I, I would say second. I, I'm going to say second best right now. But I will say this, you know, and it's something I witnessed here at Tennessee, you know, when you watch uh, Garantano out there. Some people – I mean, throughout fall camp, just practice better, man. I mean, Franks knows this offense from top to bottom, and who knows, man, he's probably killing it in practice, and maybe Trash was struggling, you know, and it was just not even a question. But given the opportunity, he comes out, man. If if Franks came back today, I don't think Dan gives him the, the job back, man, because Trash does everything needed he's he's so tough man boy he took some hits and he still gets up and then throws a dime the next play that's just he's a he's a hell of a quarterback what did you think about them rolling out Emory Jones so much because I was not really a big fan of it but I do think maybe some of that was just Dan Mullen trying to get the ground game going because it it just wasn't really working a ton with Trask in there that's not Trask's fault but it was just kind of like a wrinkle. I think they they felt they had to go to just to get the ground game going. Yeah, situational packages. I don't mind. I don't like saying, okay, in the second half, I'm going to give you the first two series. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I, I think Trask has earned that starting position uh, moving forward. But you know, like you said, he does add a little bit of. Well, you saw it on that touchdown, even though that was honestly pure luck. But he he adds a little bit of dynamic to that offense. So I kind of like it. You know, one thing he – they kind of – and everybody wants to go back to the Leak Tebow thing, but it's kind of like that when Leak's first year. But uh, I, I hope that we do see him a little bit more in a couple of different packages and at least let him throw the ball because, you know, he did well against Auburn when he had to. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen talking about uh, the defensive injuries finally catching up to the Gators uh, on Kyle Trask's performance and Emory Jones. And then finally, this is kind of an important one. I wanted to ask you about this on the Gators, how they respond to losing. Remember last year, Shane, they dropped that big game to Georgia, and then they come back the next week, get slaughtered by Missouri. It clearly was like a hangover game. Uh, That's something they're going to have to avoid next week. Uh, I think defensively, injuries finally caught up to us, you know, this year. I mean, we've been just devastated with injuries. I, I don't know, a team that's been suffered more injuries than we have this year, and I think it finally caught up to us tonight, you know, when you lose your both your starting DNs pretty much out for the game didn't play, uh, you know, especially in this type of environment catches up to you. Yeah, I thought he I thought, did a really good job. You know, I mean, uh, thought he Emory did a really good job, came in and, and gave a good mix-up for us. Uh you know, both those guys, uh, I gotta, I, I don't have a whole lot to complain with their performances tonight. I thought they handled the environment. Uh, it was an amazing environment. It's what makes the SEC so special. Uh, I don't, you know, everybody was worried, is the environment going to get to our young offensive line and get to our quarterbacks that don't have much experience? Didn't. Uh, they handled it in every situation. Um, but, you know, I mean, 
didn't do the things we needed to do at the end to win. Well, we'll talk about that this week, but, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure, yeah, because I don't think we played real well in the second one of those. But, you know, that's this league's tough, you know, this league's tough. You play in, uh, you know, it's right. The SEC, I don't think there's, you know, any, I don't think anybody in the country has a four-game stretch that we're right halfway through now. I don't think anybody in the country plays that type of schedule uh, in a four-game stretch, you know. I don't I don't think it's actually possible in any other conference but this one. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's part of playing big boy football here in the SEC. you got to be ready for the next one. All right, Shane, so Dan Mullen, um, you know, I think he hit on the, the key points there. What – I mean, how big is this next game now for the Gators now that they've lost one? I think it's – I always think in college football it's a lot easier to keep the winning streak going, keeping that momentum going. The players believe. Not to say that uh, the Gators don't have anything to play for. I mean, they've got everything to play for, and it's all ahead of them. They, If they win out, they're going to win the SEC East and, and potentially play this LSU team in the championship game. But how big of a challenge is it for Dan Mullen to uh, – not get his team to, to kind of have a hangover game next week at South Carolina. This is when you find out who's the best coach, Mike, you know. I mean, you can say the same about – yeah, I, I think, you know, this is something that you don't want to be hungover. And then here you got Muschamp. You don't want him to be overconfident. You know, this is a tricky game, and I really I – th- I think this comes down to just – Hard-nosed coaching, you know, just getting your boys fired up. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of good things that came out of this LSU game. Yeah, did you win? No. But like I said earlier, you still got an opportunity to play an SEC championship, man, you know. And then you can't overlook South Carolina now, you know, so I doubt that's going to happen. So I I just – I think they're going to be fine, you know, go get back, do some film study because they were a handful of plays away from not only making this a better ball game, but even potentially winning, you know. All right, Shane, so let's go right there. We're hitting on Muschamp here. The Gamecocks go to Athens, get a shocking victory, 20-17 to in double overtime. This was a wild one, Shane. I mean, South Carolina kind of struck first in this game. It was kind of a gut punch there with the Holinsky deep shot, and then... Uh, that was basically the offense for South Carolina. I mean, it was just that one play. Uh, Jake Fromm, <laughs> that was the difference in the game. Three interceptions and lost a fumble on a snap. You Four turnovers to zero. Uh, Kirby Smart hit on that after the game. I mean, you're, not, you're just not going to win many games with a minus four turnover margin. But uh, mm-hmm. I've never seen Jake Fromm quite this shaky, particularly at home. I know it was uh, last year at LSU. He really struggled. But this was just something – different entirely um there's just costly mistakes time and time again and if you would have told me shane i mean one of our listeners gave me credit for saying this was going to be a close game had you told me that halinski was going to miss the entire second half because of a knee injury i would have said there's no chance in hell south carolina get it done but that's exactly what happened because uh rico dowell he had a tough physical game and South Carolina's defense, Shane, they just they whooped Georgia on the offensive line, and uh, I'm just kind of stunned by that. And I, I'm Georgia's got to look themselves in the mirror. I mean, they just like Florida, they got everything ahead of them, but this is uh, several weeks in a row now where they've just not lived up to the hype, and uh, it, it finally caught up to them. 
Well, I, I just, I don't understand, man. I mean, this is, this is a noon game. You know, those are the, those are the sneaky ones. Those are the ones that when you have upsets, it feels like that's always the time slot they're in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've been getting on to Georgia for several weeks now about, you know, just easing into these games, you know, getting behind on Notre Dame, getting behind with Tennessee. I mean, that was your wake up call. Why, you know, why did you wait this week? And that, like you said, I, I get it. There was four turnovers, but man, this offensive line, man, just there was just they're they're not living up to their hype, man. You know, I mean, I was I was ready to say this is going to be the best offensive line I've ever seen, mm -hmm. and I'm not I'm not getting that vibe. I don't know about you. I I thought hell, I thought LSU's offensive line looked better. You know, yep. so South Carolina with them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just I mean, it wasn't even close. These these guys had their way, and and then Fromm, like you said, he just he just could never find that groove. And uh, I I don't know. I, again, I you got an opportunity. You know, thank God it was South Carolina that that beat you, and nothing against South Carolina. I'm just saying, uh, a three loss South Carolina, not a you know a undefeated Florida or you know what I'm saying they still have an opportunity to to make it to the SEC championship but you know it's an uphill battle man I mean if if this was Missouri you know Missouri could you imagine Missouri could be uh smooth sailing to the SEC championship right now but I if Tennessee didn't open your eyes golly you would think South Carolina would these guys have got to do something different these guys have got to change something because they're just not getting it done man yeah, and we're finally starting to see this leadership will muschamp talked about all off season we're finally seeing this trench play kind of materialize uh will muschamp joked in the post game that it, it generally takes his teams you know two three games to learn how to tackle for some damn reason but man they got mm -hmm. it down here on saturday they were playing like gangbusters I, I don't know i was i was incredibly impressed by this by this performance, Shane, and then even uh, when Joyner got in there, the the offense it didn't have much life, but they just did enough to get it done. And what was your thoughts there at the tail end of the game, Shane? Uh, Kirby Smart's getting blasted, and I think he deserves to be blasted for his uh, end of game management. I mean, they had a they were in range for a hot rod, Shane. I believe it would have been a fifty six yard field goal. He's hit a fifty five in a game before, so. You know, they wanted to get a little bit closer for anyone that missed it. And uh, they, they had no timeouts. I think there was nine seconds on the clock. And what ended up happening is they got a procedure penalty, backed them up another five, kicked them out of the range. So then they just had to go for a Hail Mary. But why in the hell is Kirby not trying to that field goal? Yeah, worst case mm. scenario with a guy like Hot Rod, it's not like it's going to come up 10 yards short. He's, he's just going to miss it. And then you're going to play for overtime, which is what happened anyway. Um, I think that's a, that's an inexcusable. Uh, I mean, this is uh, this is a guy several years into his head coaching career. Yeah, but you, you know, the first thing I thought back on was that Alabama championship game. You know, it's just when it gets when you get the lights on you and the pressure gets big. Does you know? Does he have an answer? And and this right here, I mean, everybody in that stadium, everybody watching the game would rather have. You know, oh Blanco try to kick a field goal there and win this thing, than than to throw up a hail mary or something. You know, so I didn't like that. But then again, when you get into overtime, Georgia also had an opportunity to win. 
you know, several opportunities to win. They just weren't able to do it. They just got, they got out coached there at the end and, and a little luck on South Carolina side, you know, I mean, I, I think Joyner, honestly, I, I thought he did great, man. He was a good change of pace and, and, you know, you wanted to keep Polinsky in there obviously, but Joyner was that little X factor that you probably didn't practice much for during the week. And he was able just to keep the chains moving when he needed it. And uh, I think that was one of the biggest things for South Carolina Saturday. Mm -hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Will Muschamp, Shay, talking about how big of a win this is for him. He deflected all of that uh, on to carry on Joyner coming in and and really saving the Gamecocks when they needed him. And then finally, this just kind of – you know, there's two different Will Muschamps. There's after the North Carolina game, Shane. I mean, he looked like he was ready to punch anyone, ready to ask him a question. And then when he gets a big win here, he's ready about he's ready to joke about Javon Kinlaw uh, refusing to come off the field. It, I could care less about Will Muschamp. I'm really happy for our players. I'm happy for a staff that works its ass off. I'm happy for our fan base so they can enjoy the week. And uh, and and that's really what it's all about to me. But it's never about me. Well, just you know, it's 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 what you want. It's what you. It's why you coach in this league. It's why you coach at South Carolina, to be a part of a great win like this, a, a huge win for us on the road, uh, with probably no one in the stadium other than the parents, the kids, and the people sitting in that locker room believed it was going to happen. And Ray Tanner, he he believed it was going to happen. And after that, we we just, we just worry about us. We're going to take care of us, and that's how we're going to keep moving forward. Let's go in the back there. President Caslin, he, he he knew we were going to win too. He told me for he told me for the game. Add that on your article. Well, unfortunately, because of the situation we're in and the lack of practice time, because he missed practice time during the open week, um, and and so we really want to continue to develop his role as a receiver. And when you don't, when you're not able to practice as much, especially it all being new, it's very difficult to do that. Um, but you know, the guy's the ultimate teammate. And it's not happening much in college athletics right now. What can I do for the team is his motto. And what can I do to help? And, again, that says a lot about how he's raised. And Atika and Lamont, his stepdad, are great people. And, uh, and just really proud of that young man to be in this moment, to have this moment to help propel us to a win in that situation is huge. And I appreciate his patience and loyalty to the University of South Carolina. Kinlaw? Yeah. Well, we tried to take him out about three times, and he said, to hell, we all went back in the game. So, I mean, have you ever seen him? He's like that big. I said, I, yeah, let him keep playing. Is that, do you have any idea how many snaps he played? No. We monitor that. We do monitor that. And he normally is pretty good on those situations. But, you know, when competitive guys want to play, and he's a competitive guy. He wanted to play in the game. And, you know, we keep trying to take him out. I said, hell, let him play. He's playing good. All right, Shane, well, this is how you get the win. Your best damn defensive player refusing to come off the field. Uh, that's just kind of uh, the motor they got down there in South Carolina right now, Shane. And, and just think a couple weeks ago, this team was one in three, dead in the water. I mean, it, yeah. people were ready to fire Muschamp, and it just goes to show, uh, you know, if you just keep your head down and, and keep working, I mean, here in two quick weeks, I mean, everything's changed yeah. there for uh, the Gamecocks. Oh, Muschamp's undefeated with them glasses on, ain't he? <laughs> I saw – it was so funny. South Carolina – I mean, boy, they've been tweeting out a whole bunch of stuff. But uh, South Carolina tweeted out, uh, our, our, our fans are the best or something like that. And it was a picture of Muschamp 
signing autographs or something like that. And I'm like, you know, just think about that. In two weeks, those same fans were ready to fire your ass, you know? So yep. that's what, that's what cures everything, man, is winning. And, you know, I, I kind of feel for uh, the Georgia fan base, man, because there was a lot of hype coming into the season about, you know, competing and winning and that this is our year, you know, and it just felt like, man, this was a stab in the heart. I, I know they were a little sad today at church. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, how big is it going to be? Well, let me let me say this, Shane. You're talking about the glasses. I'll say this first. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, there's an account already, Will Muschamp's Glasses. It's tweeting out all <laughs> kinds of stuff. It's pretty good. That's, uh, that's something you should look into if you're a Gamecock fan. And then also, Shane, I don't know if you saw this, South Carolina, they – or excuse me, Georgia tweeted something out, you know, Saturday was our 90th birthday of, of Sanford Stadium. What's your favorite memory? And then South, oh, Car- yeah. South Carolina retweeted. They're like, mm, let me think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one. It was uh, UGA, and the U was uh, upright, and the football was wide left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I've been there, man. I've been there, Georgia fans. In South Carolina, golly, it's been a while since we've had an upset. But, you know, soak it up. Enjoy the moment because you just took down Goliath, man. Yeah, and good news here for the Gamecocks here on Sunday evening. Will Buschamp says Halinski's knee is just sprained, kind of the same deal as Kelly Bryant last week. They fully expect him to go for the home game against Florida next Saturday as of uh, our recording here. So that's that's huge. If they're going to pull off another upset, uh, they're, they're going to need Helensky in the lineup. Dude, I've had about 20 tweets today saying, please, God, don't make us your lock of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Both South Carolina and Florida. So I may leave that one alone. Or I may bet on it. <laughs> Let's jump over to uh, Kirby Smart here, Shane, on uh, why he didn't kick that field goal at the end of regulation. I'd his, his excuse here didn't really make a ton of sense to me. And then on uh, people calling out Jake Fromm, which is uh, – there's a question I have on the back end here, but uh, let's jump to Kirby. Could you With go the, over the scenarios at the end of regulation? Uh, yeah. Did you consider sending Rod out there earlier? Uh, no, not earlier. We, we had time. We had 13 seconds, I think it was, at one time. And uh, we had a play call. We had to work the sideline. And we were going to work the sideline. We do it every week. We're going to work the sideline, try to get him five more yards, six more yards. Jake always does a good job of, of making those decisions to throw it away or get him out of bounds. We thought 38-yard line, it was a long, long field goal, but it was a shot to make it. And we felt like we get to take one more chance to get five or six yards, and then we're going to kick it. Not going to kick it with 13 seconds uh, because, number one, we thought we could get some more yards back for him. But the penalty obviously killed us because not only did we get the penalty, but we lost the play. And so when you lose the play and you got the penalty, now you're forced with three seconds left to either kick a 60-yarder or uh, try to throw a Hail Mary. So that was the decision. I don't have to say anything to those people. I'll be honest with you. They, they have a right to use whatever they want to display what they want. And that's what Twitter's about. Uh, I believe in Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's a, a leader of men. He gives tremendous effort week in and week out. Um, he, you know, he, he tried to throw the ball away and didn't get enough on it to get it out of bounds, and the kid picked it off. Um, we fumbled a snap. <laughs> You know, it rarely happens with our guys. It happened today. I can't tell you exactly why it happened. Um, one ball was dropped, and it ended up being intercepted off that. So it's tough. It was a tough day. Um, we were not effective enough 
efficient enough offensively. And they did enough with our run game where you still look at it statistically, 468 to 297, you outgain them. But it's the critical times in which the turnovers happened. You can't go 4-0 in the turnover margin and expect to win a game. It just doesn't happen. All right, Shane, like I said, I'm not really buying what he's trying to sell here. I guess he's just, you know, he's got to say something. But uh, yeah. I don't know if this is affecting Jake Fromm. I wouldn't think it would after everything he's been through. But, you know, there's a lot of probably not people in Athens, but national people, and I've just seen a lot of it, people questioning, you know, Justin Fields. Not uh, not that I've watched any Ohio State games this year, but apparently he's doing incredible and the people questioning Kirby Smart and, and all that whole deal, even though Jake Fromm, it was Jake Fromm's team all all last year. Um, it, any chance that's getting it to Jake Fromm or something? I mean, he just looked, I don't know, he just looked god-awful on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I saw a guy today with an Ohio State jacket on or a sweater, uh-huh. and I, you know, I asked him, I said, did you lose a bet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's like, no, nah. I was like, I said, I'm just kidding. I said, I said, how's Fields doing? He goes, oh, man, Fields is great. He goes, but I sure do wish we didn't let Joe go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, I, you know I, the grass, I don't know if he's reading into that. You know, I, I think I think he's he's going to be fine. Uh, you know, he, he he's going to be able to take that film study, realize that he needs to tweak a few things, and, and they've got to – I mean, their backs are against the wall. You know, if they're going to make the SEC championship, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they can't lose another game. They got to come out and make statement games. So they can't do that letting a team beat them in the first, second quarter. And you just can't do that. Georgia has got to hit the gas early moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. They've already got a loss, and they're they're basically through the easy part of the schedule. Now comes the tougher part. So they can certainly Uh gain ground, but they have – they cannot play like this as they continue to march towards the fall. For sure. All right, Shane, let's show up to your boys. I know you can't wait for this one. <laughs> and it's it played out exactly like you called it. Tennessee Yo. beats Mississippi State 20-10 to 10 in Neyland Stadium. And it mostly came down to Tennessee just whipping Mississippi State's ass on the line of scrimmage. Boy, I told you, man, we got to stop the running game and – how many yards did he'll have? Like 15, 17? He had 13 total yards on 11 yeah. carries. Uh, Tennessee just dominated the line of scrimmage. Leading leading rusher in the SEC. I mean, this defense just really came together, man. And, uh, you know, Mississippi State had plenty of opportunities. I mean, a ton of them. And they just weren't able to do anything. And I think, honestly – I think we're lucky that Tommy started this game. I mean, do you feel that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, after watching it, I was calling for Tommy Stevens to play. I thought it was, you know, the smart move to play the senior, the more accurate guy. Uh, But Tommy Stevens did not play like the senior. He played like the freshman. Garrett Schrader came in. He provided a spark. He was about the only threat Mississippi State had uh, on the ground in this game. Tommy Stevens had a couple of really bad interceptions. Then they benched him at half. I think it's, uh, you know, it's the bearded Schrader the rest of the way for Mississippi State. It's got to be. And uh, this was just a dreadful performance here for Joe Moorhead's offense. And he's got a lot of uh, questions to answer moving forward because I thought, uh, you know, for the most part, Mississippi State kind of played solid on defense. I mean, they did, like I said, they got whipped 
up front. I mean, Tennessee, this is the first game, Shane, that I can remember, the literally that I can remember of Tennessee lining up against an SEC opponent and, you know, they they knew they were going to run the ball and they could not stop them. I cannot remember yeah. that happening. And a lot of this is being done with freshman linemen and, uh, you know, first-year starters. Tennessee's offensive line shade, they have come – so so far in just a year's time and that's that's got to fire you up i love it man you know me i love my linemen and when you can control the trenches it just makes life easier and being able to get some of those big gains was was fantastic but there was a lot of this game i didn't like mike i mean it, it felt like there in the second half i was praying that we didn't let this one slip away like some of the ones in the past and Mm -hmm. obviously our quarterback being hurt didn't help but they have zero absolutely zero confidence they have the same amount of confidence in Garantano as I do you know but at least I'd let him throw the ball I mean it was just uh, we there's no way we can win games like that and 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 you've got to be frustrated as a Mississippi State fan watching this game, knowing that we're going to run the ball and they can't stop it. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. This this game was ugly. I, am I happy that we got the victory? Absolutely. But this is, not a, this is not a formula that you can have to win games in the future. Let me ask you about this, Shane, because, you know, Brian Maurer, for anyone that missed it, he had he, – he, again, he play, provided a spark. I mean, he really – lets the ball fly. He's got a yeah. very quick release, but he had two terrible end zone interceptions that if he doesn't throw those, Tennessee probably blows Mississippi State out of the water yeah. here. Uh, but I, you know, he got hurt. He got a concussion. He got flipped and he missed uh, all the second half. But for all the shit that Garantano has taken this season, Shane, I mean, I know he didn't. Uh, he wasn't asked to do a ton. You got to give him a ton of credit for coming off the bench. I mean, he made the final touchdown that really won Tennessee this game. And like you said, they, it did appear they were terrified to let him throw the ball. But I also <laughs> think that uh, Jeremy Pruitt and that defensive staff, I think they just fe- did not feel threatened in the least by this Mississippi State offense and they they didn't yeah. think Mississippi State was going to score is what I is what I thought <laughs> but they almost did man they I mean you know what I'm saying they did take it down the field mm-hmm. they score and get the ball back they were in trouble so I don't know man Garantano didn't I mean Garantano threw like two passes like two legit passes and it felt like one of them was down fall, uh, down the field it was underthrown the receiver came back for it and this that touchdown you're talking about it was like a little side pass to uh, Tyler, Boyd and, and Tyler Bird. Yeah, I'm, Bird. I mean, I'm sorry, Bird, and which hasn't made any catches all season long, you know. But he comes away uh, had a hellacious game, and that one right there, that was all him, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I can't give. And, and man, I know I said it always sounds like I'm bashing him, but you know, the offense we were running. I sent a tweet out. You know, I'm like, if we were, if we're not going to throw the ball. I'd like to do like what Kentucky did and just put Juwan Jennings back there and let's just run it, man. You know, and every now and then maybe throw the pass. If, if that's what we have to do, then let's do it with somebody that can actually run the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sold on, on this quarterback situation. I love, I love Maurer, but the kid, 
this is two what two weeks in a row he's had trouble staying healthy mm-hmm. i mean he 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 is a <clears throat> we got to have a reliable backup man i mean we got to because this is two weeks in a row that he's not been able to complete a full game and and i see that moving forward so I really love the kid. I mean, he does got a hell of an arm on him. And he's also got a little mobility to him, which was his downfall this this game. You know, <laughs> he should have learned to slide and not fall on his head there. But this is, uh, you know, it's, it's a win, and I'm going to take it, man. I am not going to complain about a win, but I am nervous about this quarterback situation. Well, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, Shane, who talked about this offense, who I think as soon as Garantano went in, I believe they called 12 consecutive runs. I mean, and the fans were booing. They wanted to see a damn pass. But uh, <laughs> uh, here's yeah. Jeremy Pruitt on, on the team's thoughts there. No, uh, we, we ran the same stuff. You know, you have to sometimes call a game based off the scoreboard and the way the, the team's playing. Our defense was playing really well, um, you know, right before the half there. You know, we were pretty conservative. Uh, we knew what the, the um, I guess, the line to gain for our kicker was. There's 50 seconds in the in the half there, and and we got it, and and Brent kicked it through there. You know, so it was a that was a big thing there right before the half. But uh, we stayed with the same game plan as the game went. You know, our defense was playing pretty good. Um, you know, we didn't want to make a mistake, so um, it's kind of the way we called the game there. Uh, can we win a bunch of games like that? Probably not. Uh, but that's the way we needed to play to win this game. Uh, so I thought our coach has done a really nice job doing that. Well, I mean, he, he, we didn't ask him to do a whole lot. I mean, he's done a good job. He's worked hard to, um, you know, to be prepared when the moment come, you know, and we didn't ask him to do a whole lot today. And it, it's not because it was him. It's the way the game was going, right? But he took an RPO out there, and it was a good good play. Made a couple of third down throws that were critical and had one with Jawan down there. So, um, you know, I, that's why I said it last week or the last time we were in here, he would help us win a game this year, and he'll help us win some more, you know. Um, that's, the, that's the thing about being the quarterback is when you have some success, you probably get too much praise, and when you don't, um, you probably get too much blame. So it's part of the position. Uh, he knows that, and um, nothing you can do about it. it. It's everybody that's played that position for the last 100 years and for the next 100 years. So uh, he's got to go to work and get ready to play next week. All right, Shane. So, I mean, based on those comments, it's pretty clear, like I said, they did not think that Mississippi State could challenge them. And uh, it worked this week. I guess a Mississippi State offense that wasn't getting it done. It's not going to work against Alabama that can score at will. But we know, Shane, that Alabama can be run on, and that seems to be something Tennessee's getting going. (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Oh, I love it. I love your optimism, Mark. <laughs> All right, let's kick it over to uh, Joe Moorhead, Shane, who, you know, he's pretty somber after this one, as you'd expect, talking about mm. uh, his quarterbacks and then the confidence of his team following this loss. And remember, uh, they were coming off a bye week. They had two weeks to prepare for this game. And their their previous game was at ass and they took to Auburn. So this is two very disappointing losses that uh, Joe Moorhead has to answer for here. Coach, offensively, a little bit of spark under Garrett there in the second half. I mean, is, is he making his case to be your starting quarterback going forward? He is, and, and we'll look at that tomorrow. And 
kind of went through the week of practice and you know, both of them were a little nicked up and Tommy got a little healthier and had a, had a better week of practice and you know uh, after those two first half turnovers uh, we just decided to make the change to half. Do you worry at all about the confidence of this team being shaken after a couple of tough, tough road losses and things and knowing what you got coming up with LSU and the, the tough slate that's still left out there? A little bit. I mean, kids are resilient. You know, we'll come in tomorrow, make the corrections, and move on. And obviously, don't have time to sulk or dwell on it too long with LSU coming in. But uh, you know, with you know the construct of a team and having you know some returners that have played a lot, some older guys who haven't played a lot, and then a bunch of brand new guys who have never played. Uh, you know, we talked about it being halfway through, and we're three and three, and you know we got to regroup at, at, at the midway point and, and go on and attack the second half of the season. Kind of going off of that, uh, you know, what was the, the mood in the rock locker room like just now, and, and what can you do? Is there anything you can do differently, like say tomorrow, that you wouldn't do in normal weeks to, to try to make sure they're still engaged and, and to get ready for a really good opponent coming up? I think they're always engaged. I don't think that's been a problem. I think the, the mood in the locker room was you know, probably a combination of ang ang anger and sullen. I mean, you, I mean, guys are. They're upset that we lost, and they're a little bit down that we lost. And uh, you know that's that, that's the way it should be. If you're not in there and it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't rip your soul out, and it doesn't make you feel bad, then uh, you're you're doing the wrong thing. And uh, but I think so. We uh, said so we did have a good week of practice. So that's what obviously as coaches coming off a of bye week, we you know looked at all that stuff, and you know we just got talk about prep, uh, preparation, physicality, and, and precision. And I think we had a great week of preparation. You know the physicality and the uh, precision weren't there. All right, Shane, on this uh, Monday morning from a Mississippi State fan, I understand, man, I'm down on the dumps, and I, I got to be questioning, we hired this damn guy to run our offense. He's running into the ground, it looks like, and uh, we had Dan Mullen, and he's, I mean, he's got Florida on the cusp of winning a damn SEC East title. What What's their state of mind here for, for Hale State fans? I always think about that. I was thinking about the um, a water boy, you know, and he's like, oh, we suck again, you know. Like, is that how they feel, you know? Because I, I talked about that old timer I ran into, uh, that old Mississippi State fan, you know, and he was happy with what they've done, been able to do in the past and and the opportunities that they have currently. But, you know, he just, I don't know, man. The more I talked to him, it more felt like he was just, he was waiting for this dream just to slowly slip away. And and I, I think that's the fan base, man. They, they were so close. I mean, just... How long ago were they ranked number one? They it was two thousand fourteen. Yeah, five years ago, number one team in the nation, and now you know you can't beat Tennessee with no literally no quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm I'm upset with Joe because they have talent. You've got the leading rusher in the SEC football, and you got. Tennessee balls that just gave up 500 yards rushing against Georgia. How can we not put this stuff together? You know, how I don't understand <clears throat> why you waited so long to take out turnover Tommy. You know, if he's not 100%, he don't need to be in there. You know, Schrader can get the job done. And it felt like this offense moved a lot quicker when he was out there. So if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I think for starters, we've got to name our quarterback, man. And it's not, and it's not Tommy. Yeah, and it it might just get worse here, Shane. They're hosting LSU next week. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it does. And they brought, I mean, they brought all the boys out. There was nobody suspended on this team, and 
Um, you know, I like that little receiver they got, and I'm terrible at names, but uh, the one that uh, it just seems like every time he's catching the ball, he's getting a first down. It just it felt like they kind of got away from that. They had some things working, and that's when you get mad at your coach when you find something that's working and then you go away from it. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, uh, let's move on here to Alabama hitting the road to Texas A&M. They took care of business in a big time way. 47 to 28 and as lopsided as that score was Shane you might be surprised that uh, A&M jumped out to an early lead a touchdown and uh, they drew I believe they drove the length of the field longest drive of the season I believe surrendered by Alabama looked like that's exactly that was the formula you got to run the ball got to get the crowd into it A&M did it but it just seemed like first and second down, this defense was successful, but they let up on these third downs, and these Alabama receivers just killed them time and time again. Uh, Tua, another outstanding performance, uh, 293 passing, four touchdowns. He did have an interception, first interception of the season, and uh, a lot of that goes to the, the, the defensive scheme drawn up by Mike Elko there was a end zone interception but uh, you got to think Shane if, if A&M did uh, a really good job here and limited Alabama to 47 points I mean my god that just kind of goes to show what Alabama has to work with on the offensive side of the ball and finally Najee Harris now Shane he's getting involved 20 carries 114 yards when they finally do get this ground game going like they did here uh, they look uh, damn near unstoppable yeah I mean I I thought there at first, I was like, uh-oh, do we got another upset when Texas A&M <laughs> scored? But, but no, man, I'm telling you what, Smith, Judy, Waddell, Ruggs, I mean, these guys are just, golly. I mean, I I love LSU's offense, don't get me wrong, but I also like the play calling of LSU. This Alabama receiving core It's not so much about the plays. It's just what they're able to do with the ball after they get it. You know, it's just they're they are just all four of them could be superstars on any team. Right. And I mean, like this game, Shane, it was Jalen Waddell, who I do not believe he scored a touchdown until this game. And we've seen him taking over games in the past. He took this one over on offense, on special teams. Uh, that's an area that Alabama really killed the Aggies this week is on special teams, on returns. I mean, they were just gashing them. And if you can't stop someone on offense, you cannot. You have got to win the special teams battle to kind of even that out. And and they just got run over on, in that aspect of the game. And um, I'm just very disappointed in what we've seen so far from Jimbo Fisher's squad, I, not to say that I really thought A&M was going to, you know, win the West or anything like that, but, uh, you know, in this Clemson game, this Auburn game, now the Alabama game, they've not really even been close in these games. They've not put a scare in these teams, and two of them were at home. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's got to – he's got to prove himself. Uh, how about this, Shane? I, I dug up this stat uh, on Saturday, but uh, – I believe uh, Jimbo Fisher, Shane, was 10-2 and two against the SEC when he was at Florida State. Yeah. He's 6-5 and five against the SEC at a and I mean, uh, I, I don't know. He, he's got some stuff to answer for. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, they're, they're going in the right direction. It starts with recruiting, and they're killing it there, and, and there, there are signs of progress. I mean, Kellen Mond continues to excel, but – I don't know. I was just expecting more from Jimbo in year two at A&M, at least from what we've seen to this point. 
Absolutely, man. And where the hell's their running game? You know, right. it's like they have it's non-existent. Spiller had twenty-seven yards. The next leading, I mean, Mon had a lot of yards, but I mean, they just could not. They just got one-dimensional, way too fast. And you just can't do that against a team like Alabama. Um, and I will tell you, man, these these receivers, I hate to go back to them, but, you know, it's not like two is just throwing dimes 40 yards down the field. There's a couple of great long passes, but it's just these little four, three-yard routes sometimes that they just make electric. And um, do you think <clears> – <throat> let me ask you, Mike. Do you think Tua is now – can you consider him the best quarterback in the SEC right now? I mean, because I'm not – I don't get me wrong. Tua's numbers, if you look at box scores, you look and say, oh, my God, Tua's putting up some numbers. But when you watch a game like Alabama and Texas A&M, and then you watch that Florida LSU game, it's like Joe – it just seems like he is doing more with his passing than Tua is. Do you think that's going to hurt him? And maybe not just the Heisman, but in maybe even the next level. Yeah, because uh, let's say Tua goes to uh, the Miami Dolphins. He's not going to have a damn receiver that's close to any of these guys, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean that's an interesting point. Not to, I mean we're we're picking apart near perfect players here, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean Tua. A lot of his success goes to these receivers because it's it's not like there's just two of them. They're like there's four of them. <laughs> and yeah. They, I mean they're just they're all outstanding. So that plays a huge part of Alabama's success and Tua's success. But uh, you know, I probably would put Joe Burrow just a notch higher. But uh, the beautiful thing is Shane, they're going to meet and uh, <laughs> they'll, they'll get <laughs> to decide true. it on the field. You know. I put a tweet on this one. Do you, do you think there's going to be 200 points scored in this game? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm eager. It'll probably be the highest over-under in the history of that series. Oh, man, that game's going to be electric. All right, after the game, Shane, Nick Saban, he didn't have a lot of interesting comments, but I thought the, the best one, it seemed like he got a little agitated here. Because he was asked about Najee Harris kind of having his breakout game of the season, running the ball, and uh, it was, he was just asked about the fact that uh, you know everyone knows Saban likes to run the ball, but he said they're not slowing down the damn offense for anybody. Look, man, I want to score. You know, I tried to explain that to you guys. All right, so if we score fast, which we scored fast a couple times a day, I'm okay with that. Still counts. You know, I mean. And I also said that we are not going to change the way we play offense all right, because of some other part of our game. All right, so, you know, I was glad that we were able to run the ball more effectively today, and hopefully we'll be able to create that balance in the future. But we're not trying to change the way that we play. <laughs> all right, Shane, so Nick Saban, he does not care about controlling the clock, helping out his defense if it's going to come at the cost of hurting his offense. And I think, I guess, just in this day of college football, kind of like LSU at the moment, that's just the way you got to play it. I mean, if a team can't beat you if they can't stop you. You know why he's mad, Mike, is because it's true. He hates it. He does not like three three routes and then a touchdown. He likes long, <laughs> methodical drives and getting two or three of these running backs in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just – he doesn't have it. He, he's he's playing with the talent that he does have, and, and I do think inside his core it hurts a lot. But 
I think a lot of that changed with what's-his-name getting hurt there at the start of the season. I think this team would have looked a lot different this year if uh, if that kid would have stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Jimbo. A fast-talking Jimbo, he had he, he was kind of somber after this one, as as, as you'd expect, Shane, uh, talking mm-hmm. about limiting Alabama on first and second down, but uh, just keep surrendering these big plays on third third and long. That was really demoralizing. And then uh, on A and M's kind of one-dimensional offense here in the second half, he says, you know, he's putting the uh, the issues on the running game. He's saying it's just because they had to go to the air, which I'm not really buying it. Alabama's first three touchdowns came on third and longs. You know, how tough was it to not be able to get off the field? And then especially they turn those short routes into big plays. They're catch and run. I mean, they're skill guys. I mean, they have dynamic guys, and that's they have erasers. I call them erasers. I mean, no matter what you do, throw it short, throw it long. It's a long situation. Guys that can erase yards, and, you know, they, you got a guy there defensively, and they make a tackle. Well, it's good on the board, but, they, you know, they make you miss, and, and that's what great players do, and they have great skill guys that can make you miss in space. And, you know, you've got you to gotta get tighter coverages, get more rush. Also, you know, you can only cover those guys so long, so your rush has got to be a big part of that too, and we didn't get enough pressure on the quarterback either. Coach, quick math here, but I know you're talking about matching scores. I think I came up with four three-and-outs on offense today. When you do that, I mean, just how tough no, is we that? No, we did. We had a sack, had a missed run uh, one time, uh, had a drop ball one time, had a missed throw one time. I mean, you do. You can't. You When you play good people like that, but also you understand what you're calling, what you're doing, you're pressing yourself to get a lot more in what you got to get because you're trying to match points when you come back too. So, you know, when, when we still moved it good, but at the same time you can't have that against a team like that and as, that many, but they're a good football team. All right, Shane. So Fisher, I mean, he's trying to put a brave face on what he's put together here, but uh, I mean, they've got to pick up the pieces fast. They do play uh, Ole Miss next week, so that's that's a significantly you know easier game. But the way Ole Miss is playing, I could certainly see the Rebels <laughs> beating Texas A and M if uh, if they don't have more success on the ground game next week. And do they have another hungover game? Now you saw it with Arkansas; they came in there and almost lost that thing. So if they don't. If they don't rally these troops, there's a good chance Ole Miss could win it. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, But, all right, let's hurry along the show here, Shane. Let's jump to Lexington where Kentucky took care of business, beat Arkansas 24-20. And, man, Shane, this game (laughs) was a damn wild one for anyone that missed it. I mean, Kentucky was tight-lipped all week. They kind of made it sound like Sawyer Smith was going to play and I didn't know how limited he would be. I really thought that uh, the wrong team was favored in this matchup. And then once comes old Lynn Bowden's the quarterback. And <laughs> Smith I, even had a press conference, man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, and, and they started slow in this game, Shane, because it was obvious what they were doing. I mean, that all they could do was kind of run the ball and uh, they would throw these dink and dunk passes. That's all about all Lynn Bowden had in them. And Rakeem Boyd busted loose second play of the game. Shane, 74 touch, seventy-four yard touchdown to put Arkansas up seven to zero. I thought about that may be the only points they need against uh, Kentucky with yeah. a damn receiver playing quarterback. But at the end of the day, Shane, I mean, Lim Bowden just continued to punish this Arkansas defense. They had no damn answer. By the end of the game, he was running wild. And I put this out there, and I was not. I, I say a lot of stupid shit on Twitter. A lot of it's jokes and stuff. But this is mm-hmm. this is not a joke. It took Mark Stoops, and Eddie Grand, and Darren Henshaw, the quarterback coach, two weeks, Shane, 
to turn Lynn Bowden into a better quarterback than Chad Morris has been able to do in two years. I'm done with Chad Morris. I do, I've do. i not seen anything. Remember we had a question a couple weeks ago. They're like, well, why in the hell are you guys so hard on Chad Morris but not Jeremy Pruitt? I don't really see a difference. Jeremy Pruitt has been awful at times, but you can always point to, I mean, he beat a top 10 Kentucky. He won on yeah. the road at Auburn. He just beat Mississippi State. I mean, I'm not saying he's a fantastic coach, but he's not like some damn moron. I mean, he's winning SEC games. This Chad yeah. Morris just seems completely clueless. He doesn't know how to utilize his guys. He cannot beat a team playing a receiver at quarterback. He's never beaten a Power 5 team. I do not know how he got this job. And it, it just seems like it's, this is going nowhere. I'm, I'm like, I'm angry just thinking about it, Shane. Dude, I'm, I'm with you, man. Here you got uh, Boyd, the, I think, is the better running back of the teams. You've got uh, O'Grady. I think the better tight end of both these teams. Mm -hmm. And you could easily say Knox is the best receiver because Kentucky's best receiver is playing quarterback. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And you still can't beat this team. A team that is like what they've, they've lost three games in a row. I mean, they're, they're, they're reeling dude. And it's just an absolute embarrassment. Uh, I I mean, I, I, I'd hate to be an Arkansas fan. It's hard to be a Tennessee fan and then look at somebody saying, God, well, at least we're not this team. We're not Arkansas, man. We we at least got – it feels like a little hope. I don't know what you got with Coach, man, because if they can't do it with the talent that they have, how are they going to do it next year when that talent's gone? You know, that's right. just what I – that's how I feel right now. I, I see no progression with Morris. Uh, you know, they, everybody wants to talk about, well, well, maybe it's, you know, that he just ain't got his crutes in there or anything like that. Crutes or not, you still should have been, you should have, you should have more victories now than you do. And, and this one should have been a, a layup, man, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't get it done. They let a they let a wide receiver run for 200 yards against them. Like they, they had no freaking answer there at the end. Like they're surprised that Lynn Bounds going to run the day of ball, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, all you got to do, Shane, is stack everyone up. Do not, uh, do not, I would not even rush him. Just don't let him leave the pocket, make him beat you with his arm. And by God, yeah. just don't let him break out. That's all you have to do. That's it. And they couldn't, I don't know. I'm like flabbergasted, Shane. Nick Starkle, seven of nineteen. He was horrible. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but they finally they they benched him for Ben Hicks. Ben Hicks gave him some life there. He came in just before the fourth they, quarter started. What took so long? What took so long to get Hicks in there? They don't know what the hell they're doing. Is what took so long. <laughs> and now they're opening it up to everybody. They're John Jones and and KJ Jefferson are are options, and he's probably trying to get his son graduated from high school. Uh, to get up here and help next week, but I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm at a loss here, Shane. And I do not know where Arkansas goes from here. It, well, I know they got to go to Auburn next week, so, and it, it's somebody's it's, getting fired, Mike. I'm telling you right now. More, you, I've seen this. I've seen this before. He's gonna fire somebody. It may be Chavis, dude. Don't be surprised if the chief doesn't have a job. You know, I, I love the chief. Don't get me wrong, but he. The the blame is coming down, and, and when you're you know you don't put baby in a corner. I think Morris is going to have to fire somebody eventually, and, and to show the media, to show the fans that he 
that he really is trying to change the culture there because if you keep the same staff, if you keep the same quarterback flip-flop thing going on, it's just there is no change. So what does Morris do? I Honestly, I think he fires somebody this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, – I mean, I hope it's not Chavis, but I think that would probably be the candidate because uh, yeah. Joe Craddock is his guy at a, as offensive coordinator and – I don't know if that guy's qualified to be an SEC coordinator, but Jeb Morris has had him on here for two years, so it's that's <laughs> got to be a tough one. I mean, if and if he's firing that guy, then he's just got to be the coordinator. And um, if he doesn't know how to be a head coach, I don't know if he knows how to be an offensive offensive coordinator either, Shane. So I don't know. I'm just uh, I I don't I don't know if Arkansas is going to win another game. Like I'm at that point right now. Um, yeah, but hell, let's give Mark Stoops. We've been talking all about the Razorbacks. Let's give Mark Stoops and his coaching staff a ton of credit, Shane. I mean, it's it's one thing to mock Arkansas for not being able to stop Lynn Bowden, but it's another for them to game plan this offense to get this done. And uh, that you know they got down early in this game, and when you got mm-hmm. a damn receiver at quarterback, and all you <laughs> do it is running the ball, it would have been very easy to say. You know, I don't even know if they had a backup, but if they did, just you know, put him in. We got to throw it, but they stuck to the plan. And remember, it was just a couple weeks ago. Kentucky fans were back on the "Let's get Eddie Grand the hell out of here." Eddie Grand schemed up, you know, a beautiful game plan here, got it done um, under extreme circumstances, and that's something Mark Stoops on hit on after this one. Uh, he talks about the decision to play Lynn Bowden at quarterback, and on uh, you know he really credited Eddie Grand for sticking to the game plan despite uh, Arkansas's fast start. Uh, they got down 13 to zero in this one, and mm-hmm. it, it, it could have went downhill really quick in Lexington. When did y'all know that Lynn would start? You know we. We we felt like we were gonna have, you know have to start him for for for, the, for a week or two, um, but Sawyer was getting better. He did practice this week, and uh, you know so it, it was getting close. But we invested a lot of time in that game plan uh, with Lynn. Really proud of our coaches um, across the board. Um, both sides did an exceptional job. Just really proud of Eddie. Coach Henshaw and the offensive coaches really had some good things in there and some unique plays. And, uh, you know, it really stood out tonight and it put our guys in a good situation defensively. Uh, Brad did an exceptional job. All those guys, they, they, they did a nice job. Mark? It's, it seems like that offensive game plan works better when you're playing from ahead. When you get down early, were there any thoughts on the sideline to change things up? How did you remind yourself to, to do that, to stick to the plan? Even when it was I, thought, I thought Eddie was really good in in being firm on that. I, I talked about it. And they were confident in their game plan. And, uh, and we were confident in the game plan. And Eddie and Darren were, uh, were committed. All right, Shane. So once again, Mark Stoops shows why he's such a, a damn fine SEC head coach, I, he's one mm-hmm. of the best we got right now. I mean, just I don't know what – just a ton of praise deserves to this guy. I mean, they saved the season here. Well, Lim Bowden did at least, but uh, the, the coaches, you know, really did a, a masterful job here, I thought. And with the old switcherooski, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's 2019. How did, how did this not get out? You know what I'm saying? 
that's just that's that's what's crazy and blows my mind you know that nobody noticed that you know lynn was taking majority if not all the snaps this week you know i mean that's kudos to the media maybe they just didn't go out there and check this thing out but they're all focused on basketball or something like that but this was a hell of a game plan and, and I think unappreciated because when I when it got announced that he was the starting quarterback, dude, it caught fire on Twitter and it, just people couldn't believe it. You just don't see stuff like that these days. Now, what do you think about this, Shane? Moving forward, do they keep Lynn Bowden at quarterback? I mean, he was incredibly successful here, particularly in the second half. They're playing Georgia next week. I mean, I don't know the status of Sawyer Smith. It sounds like he's getting closer to becoming back, but uh, you keep Lynn Bowden at quarterback? I mean, it, it, hell, it worked against Arkansas. I think you still got to have some packages with him in it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I, I really do because him back there just, I mean, like I said, 200 yards. I mean, that's just crazy to me that you can get that at quarterback. That's like we, we just don't see that much, and – you know, Georgia had a, a, a little tough time keeping Joyner in check, so maybe they they roll with it, and, and they've got to do something because, you know, this is – I mean, even though Georgia lost, they're still a damn powerful team, and, and they're going to have to pull out all of the tricks this week. Well, let's kick it over to Chad Morris, Shane, who uh, talked about Nick Starkle and Ben Hicks and what, they're, what the hell they're going to do there at quarterback and on uh, the state of mind of his team after this one. And Nick obviously was off tonight. Was he? Was he healthy, or what do you think happened that night? He really didn't look like himself. Well, he, yes, he was healthy. Um, you know, he's uh, he's worked out for two straight weeks with us. Um, hadn't missed a workout, but um, and I, I just I felt that uh, he wasn't in sync. He wasn't in rhythm. Um, I felt it early in the game, um, but you know, and and and, um, and really more so even at halftime. Um, but I thought, well, well, you know, we've got the lead. We've got a little bit of momentum on our side. Let's let's um, let's see what this third quarter holds. And we go two, three, and outs. And I just I needed a spark, and I felt that Ben was going to provide that for us. Did, did you consider uh, consider bringing Ben in earlier? No, 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 I, I didn't. Um, not uh, you know, I I was thinking about it, but really it was just right there after that second three and out. Yes, yes, yeah. We we we've got to get something that's going to provide consistency and provide a spark for us, and and uh, we'll reevaluate that um, as we get back in. Chad, with, with the quarterback reevaluation next week, does that still just just uh, Nick and Ben, or do you think about you know John Stephen Jones, even Jefferson, or what's that mix <coughs> like? No, I, I think all options are open. How fragile is that locker room right now? Well, I, I think you know you've got a, a fragile football team. Um, but a, but a football team that's that has no quit in them. I think you saw that tonight. They're going to fight, um, and they're going to come back to work tomorrow, just like everybody else is in, in that in that building, and, um, and and understand that it's it's uh, that's the only way we can get out of this. That, that's it. Is we got to come back to work, and we got to work harder than we've ever worked, uh, and that's every week. And um, but it is. It, it, it's frustrating and. Um, but there's only one one answer to that, and that's we, we got to get back to work and and and, um, and 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 keep keep going, keep pushing. All right, Shane. So the Razorbacks, obviously, you know, I mean, it's pretty bad. The coach is saying the team is fragile, but uh, I can't blame him. I guess it's, it's the first uh, honest thing I've heard him say in a while. 
<laughs> Who are they going to have down there at that hog rally? You know, they've had uh, Petrina now. They've had old <laughs> Urban Meyer. Who's the next coach coming in? I'm just, you know, this may be interviews they're, they're having down there. Every time they lose, the what is that place called? What do they call it? The hog something? The little, uh, the little Rock Touchdown Club? Yes, that would, they're both both of them were Little Rock Touchdown Club, right? Uh huh. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I I, I think they're holding interviews. Jerry Jones is down there <laughs> trying to figure out who the next quarter or the coach is going to be. Oh, no, I say all that to say this, Mike. They're in a bad way, and I and I don't want to pile on. Arkansas knows exactly what they have down there. They've got a hot mess, and and they deserve better, man. This is a great fan base. This has got. This is a university that has a ton of money, man. You know, you, I'm, ta- I'm telling you, Arkansas is sitting on a lot of boosters, a lot of cash. They they do not deserve just any coach coming in there, and that's it. Feels like that's what this is. This we're we're going to forget about more about three years. I mean, we'll still make fun of them, but you know, like memes and things like that, like Butch Jones, but. I just think, hang in there, Arkansas. I think at the end of this year, we're going to get you a new coach. All right, Shay, let's kick it over to Missouri, where the Tigers took care of business, Shay. They were the big winners in the SEC in Week 7. Uh, Tigers win 38-27 over a, you know, a very improved Ole Miss squad. But by the end of the week, Shane... Missouri's in first place in the SEC East after Georgia and Florida both lost. So that's a, it's a great spot for the Tigers to be in. And uh, Kelly Bryant kind of did what I thought he would in this game. 329 yards through the air, touchdown and an interception. And then they relied heavily on Larry Roundtree. 126 yards, two touchdowns. He really uh, shredded Ole Miss on the ground. But uh, how about uh, John Rice Plumley? Shane continues get it going on the ground 143 yards two touchdowns and then we even saw i think this is the game where he threw the ball the best he had two touchdowns including a deep one early uh they did get stagnant there in the second half they had to turn it back over to matt corral but uh you know it's interesting that uh, old miss now has two quarterbacks on their roster and they showed a lot of fight in this one but uh, at the end of the day missouri just too much for the tigers and uh i you know as much as Odd as it is to say, losing by 11 points on the road in the SEC, I thought Ole Miss kind of, this was a very strong showing in this one. Uh, ju- they just went up against a significantly better team and, and got beat. Yeah, I agree, man. And Mizzou came to play. I, I You know, we were really, I was really worried about Kelly. I didn't know what, what you know, everybody's saying he's going to be healthy, but they good out there. He was he was very efficient, you know. He was he was able to distribute the ball. I think like they had ten different guys catching passes during this game, you know. So he was he wasn't just locked into one. Uh, Johnson had a, a big game, of course, but I just I don't know, man. There's something about this Missouri offense that I, it's just fun to watch. Um, they're they're able to hang up points on just about anybody. I was afraid the defense would kind of take a step back, so I was a little disappointed i guess about how much they let plum tree run you know that when he's in there you shouldn't be surprised that he's tucking the ball and running mm-hmm. but you know plum tree's a hell of an athlete he he was able to get up the field there was a couple of them that you just really couldn't game plan for and he was able to make some things you know that one touchdown run that he had there at the end of the game it was just 
I mean, when he decided to tuck it, man, he was already in the end zone by the time you realized it. So I do like out of all the quarterback, like two quarterback systems I'm seeing out there, I really think that this Ole Miss system that they have now could really work. But they're still going to have to they're going to have to get like Scotty going or something. They can't let just Plumtree be the only the only Russian, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, some of that uh, Ole Miss. I mean, they racked up 204 yards on the ground. A lot of that, obviously, you're going to probably attribute to Missouri still adjusting to life without uh, Kale Garrett. That's a that's yeah. a huge hole in that defense. But they survived it this week. They got Vanderbilt, then they got Kentucky. If, if Missouri takes care of business, Shane, they're going to be in first place for a month, heading down to Georgia with the SEC East on the line. Uh, that is going to be one hell of a game. I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Are they top 25 yet? I believe they are in the AP poll, yes. But in the okay. this, the coaches' poll is the one where they're not eligible for some damn reason. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's stupid. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Enjoy it, man. I mean, Missouri, you you know, you've got a you've got a pretty nice little road ahead of you here. So you get in there and, and what when's that Georgia game? Uh, that'll be in three weeks, and they get two we- weeks. They get two weeks to prepare for it. It's in Athens, though, right? It is, yeah. But, hey, we just found South Carolina just went in there and won. I know. I know. It can't happen. But I I don't think – you know, this is going to be a good one, too. So, uh, Missouri, man, you're the top dog right now. Everybody's looking at you. And we got no clips. Thanks to Missouri, they don't put them out. So, uh, (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) that's on them. Uh, Last game of the day here, Shane Vanderbilt falls in disgrace, 34-10. to And, you know, I thought you were joking when uh, we revealed Vanderbilt 17-point favorite. You said, can they even score that many? And that turned out to be true, Shane. (laughs) Keyshawn Vaughn, Shane, 140 yards and a touchdown, and Vanderbilt still getting destroyed. And keep in mind, this was a 1-4 UNLV team, and they just beat the hell out of Vanderbilt. And, uh, man, I think this is obviously the end here of Derek Mason. It's sad to see that, but uh, I think – He'll immediately get hired as a defensive coordinator. I just don't think uh, Vanderbilt supports him and in, in that program, and we're seeing the signs of it. Uh, this is his worst start since his first year. You just can't go six years down the road and, and have basically the same record as you, you did when you first got there. This is, uh, yeah. man, this is just kind of a sad sad ending here in my opinion for what uh, Vanderbilt has come after that James Franklin error that and it you know it was unfair to expect that similar success but uh you know you just can't have UNLV coming in here and beating the hell out of you no UNLV man that have they even won a game this year uh other than this one yeah they were one and four I don't know who they beat but uh yeah they were not like I said they were 17 point underdogs they won by 24 so they are not a good team. Let me look here. Yeah, they got smoked by Wyoming, 53-17. This is not a good team, man. 38-13 to Boise State. Uh, I'm trying to find their other victory. Thirty to four, They lost 30-14 against Northwestern. Arkansas State. Man, Arkansas State beat them 43-17. Oh, okay, here it is. They beat uh, Southern Utah, Mike, uh, 56-23. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, they made Vanderbilt look like Southern Utah out there. It, it, when I I didn't watch this whole thing, but it seemed like every time I did, 
you know, they had the ball, UNLV, and they were just moving it at will against Vanderbilt, which is very discouraging because that's one thing Vanderbilt's kind of always had is this sneaky, decent defense, you know what I'm saying? And there was just nothing, and I don't know if a lot of that has to do with them switching up. You know, they, they switched to a 4-3, didn't they? Mm-hmm, in the offseason, so, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if, if maybe they just don't have the pieces for that defense just yet. But that's that's a risky move when you're going into a season that a lot of people were saying you're going to be on the hot seat for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a just a sad end here, and uh, I don't I don't know what else there is to say. Shane Vanderbilt, uh, they <laughs> they need to they need to do something. They got to switch something up because this is just this is just sad to watch. They'll probably figure it out by the time we play them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. This has been a long one, so uh, you want to go quickly here and uh, predict the week eight <clears throat> lines? Yeah, let's do that real quick. All right, Shane. We'll kick it off with uh, Kentucky at Georgia. What was your predicted line for this one? Kentucky at Georgia. I got Georgia minus 26. Ooh, almost hit it right on the head, Shane. I said Kentucky by 20. But uh, the opening line, Georgia, by 27, so nearly a four-touchdown favorite mm. over a Kentucky team that just got a, wo- a win. I guess they're thinking that uh, the Bulldogs are going to be kind of fired up coming up uh, after that South Carolina loss. Yeah, fired up and, and a quarterback. I mean, you, you caught somebody off guard this week with Bowden. I don't think you could do that going into two weeks in a row, you know? Yeah. All right, Shane, LSU at Mississippi State. What would you have for this one? LSU minus 27. Ooh, I said LSU minus 17, and I was closer on this one. LSU minus 18. I like uh, the fighting Jomos to to rally here at home. They play, a, they play a lot better in Starkville with them cowbells ringing than they do on the road. <laughs> uh, I know LSU's a, a damn good team, but uh, I think this will be a little bit closer than you're thinking. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. They had trouble stopping down uh, Garitano. I mean, how, how you got to stop these weapons? So, all right, maybe I'm just a little hungover from that game. So, what, what about the Florida South Carolina? Yeah, Florida at South Carolina. I thought Florida would be a ten point favorite. How about you? I got six and a half. Boom, Shane, you nailed it. You're getting better at these Florida favorite by six and a half after a loss oh, really? in South Carolina. Coming off a win at Georgia, uh, what made you think uh, uh, six and a half was the good number here? Well, South Carolina's pumped up, man. It's going to be at home, and you know that place is going to be electric. Uh, but Florida, I, I honestly, I think they played one of the best teams in the nation. So I, they're not far behind, as long as they get some health behind them, get healthy again. All right, Shane. Auburn at Arkansas. What'd you have for this line? Oh man, this one I didn't know what to do. So I gave Auburn uh, the their favorite by fifteen. What do you got? Well, you actually got it, Shane, because I predicted Auburn by eighteen. This line kind of shocked me. Auburn favored by sixteen and a half. So you were only a point mm-hmm. and a half off here. Uh, I don't think that uh, Arkansas is coming within three touchdowns of a team as good as Auburn, but it is mm-hmm. it is at home. So uh, maybe maybe yeah. that's what people are thinking there. Yeah, absolutely. Missouri at Vanderbilt, Shane. What'd you have for this one? I got Missouri minus twenty-one. Man, Shane. Uh, in addition, I said Missouri thirteen and a half. You win this one as well. And in addition to your fade power, Shane, you might be really good at predicting these <laughs> opening lines because Missouri. 
favored by 21 and a half at opening. And uh, oh, wow. that, that feels about right. <laughs> Vanderbilt three touchdown <laughs> underdog at home. Dude, this is awesome. I've never done this well. All right. What we got next? Well, you win again here, Shane, Texas A&M at Ole Miss. What'd you have? I got Texas A&M minus five and a half. Boom, Shane. I said Texas A&M by seven. Texas A&M favored by six, so you're only a half off on this one. I mean, <laughs> your powers, Shane, are, are oh. going stronger by the pick here. Is this is this the week, Mike, that I, that I changed the streak? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We got one last one here. Let's see how close I am. Tennessee at Alabama. I've got Alabama minus 29. And I said Alabama minus 30, and it's Alabama minus 29. Get out of here. No, nah, I'm just kidding. It's uh-huh. it's, it's Alabama about 35 and a half, Shane, which is apparently the largest spread in Tennessee history. I, I think I saw something like that. Don't quote me on that, but damn, th- oh, that's, a, that's a shit ton of points to be favored by. Didn't, didn't we just break that record? <laughs> uh, I think this has more to do with the quarterback, though. I mean, that was a tough one because – Honestly, I could see forty something if 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 Garantano's their quarterback. Oh, sorry, man. I, I'm still I'm still really worried. Uh, it's crazy because we have a lot of SEC games this week, but it's also crazy that the spreads are this wide on a lot of them. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a great slate, but uh, hell, Shane. South Carolina was a huge underdog. Tennessee was a big underdog, so a lot of things can happen. I'm still looking forward to it. Hopefully we get some more upsets. It was a hell of a Saturday with some upsets. I don't know what you thought. Oh, man. You know, we kind of called it. We were, Actually, you said uh, you were hoping that we needed some upsets. I was like, man, he's right. We need to have some. So uh, there's still some great games. You know, uh, upsets are awesome, but, you know, there's – there's some games that that really mean a lot this week. Uh, the, you know what I'm saying? There's there's some opportunities to prove yourself, get yourself back on track. Is this the week that that Coach Morris gets his boys rolling? You know, I don't know. Is this the week that you know? I mean, there's just so is is South Carolina legit? You know, have they turned a new leaf? Is or is Georgia ever? Do they come out and firing at all cylinders? There's so many narratives. That will be answered this coming up weekend. So I, I'm still pumped up about this week as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, that's going to do it for this edition. We've been a little long here. Uh, before we jump off, I'll just make a quick note. You know, we really appreciate all the uh, five-star rating and reviews. And we, we our koozie giveaway continues, Shane. We're almost out of the first hundred. But uh, because everyone, you know, that went so well, I've ordered another hundred. We got purple. We got maroon. We got crimson. We got those coming in. Those may take a little, they take about two weeks to come in, but we got those. You leave us a five-star rating and a written review. Send that over to us over at uh, that SEC podcast at Gmail or share that with uh, us on Twitter and we'll get a koozie coming your way, Shane. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, man. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Those those reviews do help out a lot. I'm a little under the weather, if you probably could tell today. So uh, just bear with us. We are getting there. This was a freaking awesome weekend. And if I got to get sick every time we win at Tennessee Vols, I'm, I'll do it, man. I'll, I'm, I'm not afraid of it, Mike. 
<laughs> All right, it's a, it's a small sacrifice that I'm willing to pay. <laughs> All right, Shane, thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols. She'll leave you